Blog Talk Radio. This is Charge the Mound with Tori Tyson, and my co-host tonight is Eugene Benton. Eugene, welcome to the show again. Yeah, man, we're uh, excited. Wednesday night rolls around pretty quickly. Seems like uh, we just finished that last show rolling in. You know, we got some college baseball to talk. We got a big-time major league guest uh, joining us. Before that, though, we got some uh, high school ballers, man. I tell you, the high school season, it seems like it just started. I know we're in a condensed season, which – you know, we're not a fan of, but, it, you know, we're just kind of rolling through and hopefully getting out of this whole COVID atmosphere of uh, high school sports. But um, we got some big-time ballers joining us tonight. Yeah, we, you know, last night we had uh, in the 3A, um, you know, in the 3A region uh, here in, in Charleston, we had a matchup of Hanahan and Bishop England, which in 3A, if, if you're any type of South Carolina baseball fan, you know that those two have met. I don't even know, umpteen times in the last, you know, 10 years uh, between the two of them. And, um, you know, it, it was usually B.E. coming out on top. But last night, Hanahan pulled, you know, the first game of their, their week out. Um, and then they've got another one. They've actually switched the Friday game to Thursday. So tomorrow they'll go head-to-head again. If Hanahan wins that one again, then they don't have to play again. Hanahan will be the one seed and Bishop England will be the two seed. And the reason that's important, that seeding is important, is because there's some – there's some pretty good teams in the upstate and um, kind of want to avoid, uh, you know, playing, playing a big guy right out of the gate. So um, they're throwing everything they can to try and to beat each other up. And so we're going to have the two starting pitchers that battled it out last night, come on uh, kind of one at a time to keep things civil. And um, so we'll, we'll hit three a tonight. I know um, I was just getting a text message from a friend of mine that, um, Somerville uh, is hosting Wando tonight. Doesn't mean anything seedings wise or you know playoffs wise, but another big uh, game that's in town, and uh, I know a lot of uh, baseball fans' eyes are on that game. And I know uh, you know the that left-handed pitcher Marshall Whitmer, who's a Georgetown commit, he's going against Somerville tonight, so it should be a, a pretty good equalizer since Somerville is the team to beat. So. That'll be an interesting game to keep tabs on later tonight. Um, and like you said, you know, we're getting back to somewhat uh, normal when, you, when you're when you out around at these high school teams. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, we are back in action in, in, on the minor league side as well. And uh, it's not quite normal uh, when you get to the minor league side. So um, a whole lot of rules and uh, things that minor league baseball is doing that, that look a lot different. So, there, you know, from what I saw today down at the Joe, uh, there's more atmosphere uh, at some of these high school games um, than than there are at these pro games with the COVID rules. So, um, anyway, but we're, we've got baseball back, and we've got baseball back in South Carolina, somewhat normal and, and pretty exciting stuff. 
Yeah, you mentioned this uh, big-time matchup and, and, and the two pitchers joining us tonight. Now, I know one of them uh, is committed to uh, the College of Charleston. That's the B.E. pitcher, Mr. Brooks, over there that's throwing the gas. And it seems like every time he plays, man, or pitches, uh, guys uh, probably within your firm or at least guys you know are out there with the radar guns, man. Uh, quick question because I want to ask you about that. I saw some social media comments and I think you were on one of those with uh Flory that joined us and I think Brian was on Brian Garris was on there. Uh talk to us a little bit about the radar system, man. I, I saw a joking kind of comment about, you know, the all the grandpas in the stands with their handhelds. Uh what's the difference in technology? I mean, I looked at getting a radar gun, I think I talked to you about that to measure kick speed for my kickers. Um but you know, I, I've seen radar guns start at a hundred bucks, go up to a couple grand. What's the difference in the technology? Well, from what I know, you get what you pay for. Um, you know, it used to be, you know, the the $1,000 stalkers that everybody ran around with or the jugs. And, um, you know, now there's there's pocket radars, you know, starting at 300 bucks, uh, where they're just the size of a cell phone. And they're pretty accurate, uh, you know, here and there. Um, they'll give you a pretty good gauge. Um, but, yeah, you've got the scouts at these games with the with the big honking guns. And then you've got um, guys like me that sneak sneak around with a little pocket radar. Um, I don't always want people to know that I'm I'm checking out what they got going on, but um, you know. And I tell you, this this radar stuff has become. You'd think with the technology that's out there that there would be zero arguments about who's throwing how hard, but it is a nightly just drama-filled episode when um you know these these high school kids are like oh i'm i'm throwing 98 and they're like actually we had you at 88 um i mean they i'm exaggerating but um you know there's just different radar guns i've heard different radar guns on danny brooks last night um diff, different uh radar readings and so you know whatever it, it, to me it doesn't matter if you're a scout um and and you're with one of these professional teams you don't care what his radar gun reading is unless there's some kind of like scary red flag. Um, you're there to watch the way he pitches, the way he acts on the mound, the way, you know, their presence, um, all the little things, how you hold runners on, how quick are you to the plate? Uh, can you field your position? Um, are you athletic? Uh, what, what's your attitude like, uh, when somebody makes an error behind you, what do you, how do you react? Um, are you a fighter? Do you fold? They're looking for all kinds of things besides the radar gun reading, but I know, I know us, uh, you know, now, now putting on a different hat and I'm back to being dad, of course the radar gun's cool. Uh, you know, when your son's throwing cheese then you know, it's, it's fun to tell everybody how hard he's throwing, but, um, inevitably it's about getting out. And I, I, you know, I, I'm having these two kids on tonight. Um, it, it's a great example of that, you know, Nick Capello is a 2023, he's a sophomore and, um, you know, he's 80 to 84. And what he did last night was, if you just look at the line, that's a, that's a lot more impressive than the, the big stallion that BE had going. So um, that's just the, the nature of the game. Um, for, you know, if you throw strikes, you tend to win games. And that's what, you know, Nick Capello did last night for Hanahan. Yeah, and I've also seen some of the uh, technology in some of the uh, indoor batting cages where pitchers are throwing, and you're familiar with that. I've seen some stuff, especially with uh, – with um, uh, Sobel, the left-handed pitcher there, where they actually have the technology now that can calculate the rotation speed of a ball. Uh, you know, how's that advanced? I know it's got to be certainly far more advanced than when you played. <laughs> yes, 
Well, there weren't even cell phones when I played. Um, you know, yeah, the, the technology is is so cool. Um, you're talking when you're when you're talking about these analytics that that these kids are watching. You know, I think there's a there's a handful of different systems out there, but the hot one, the the one that's really hot right now, is called Rapsodo. Um, and it, it gets everything, uh, everything. You just put this little machine out there in between the pitcher's mound and home plate. And, um, you know, it gives you, you know, velocity, which is the, the least of, you know, that anybody's wanting, but lo- the velocity, then it's got the spin rate. So you can tell how fast your fastball or curveball, how fast it's spinning, which tells us a whole nother, uh, bucket of information that I won't, I won't bore our fans with. Um, but, but basically, Rapsodo and all these TrackMan, these techno- technological advances have, have really, for me, they haven't changed the game at all. It's just given me an answer. Um, when I used to go to games and and scout, I, I used to be like, man, this guy's got an invisible fastball. And to us, old people, throw a fastball belt high or right, you know, under our letters, and we would swing and miss, swing and miss, swing and miss. And it looked so good. And you're like, well, how is this guy – blowing me away with 89 miles an hour um and so now it's that same thing uh, you know as a scout you go to the game and you're like how is this kid just blowing people away with 89 90 miles an hour and then now you go oh what's his z plane uh what you know what's his what's his uh spin rate and so those are those are quantifiers that tell you why his fastball actually is invisible. And, and all it means, just for an example, if his spin rate is extremely high, it just means that if he lets the ball go at 89 miles an hour, that spin rate of the ball is going to stay at 89, and it's going to stay up more than a pitch with lower spin rate that would sink because of gravity, um, which most hitters, are, their brains are trained to hit. So you tell yourself to swing when the ball's about halfway there, and your brain's used to one thing happening. Well, the guys with high spin rate, or high Z plane numbers, they their ball doesn't sink. It doesn't come down the way 99%, you know, of, of pitchers' balls do. So that's an advantage. That's that's where somebody can can pitch up in the zone, which has always been told to people that's danger zone. Um, now they know, hey, you know what? He can pitch up in the zone, and it doesn't matter how hard he throws. It doesn't matter if it's 98 or 90. It tricks the hitter's brain, and that and we know that now. So that explains the you know old school invisible fastball. So. I don't know. That might be too much information. I didn't want to go into it too much, but that's what we're dealing with now is just a, a, a lot of technology, and these kids all have access to it. Um, hitters, on the hitter side, we've got Blast Motion, which is a great tool. Uh, if you, uh, man, I, I suggest, I just suggested it for a kid that played on the River Dogs for me um, about, you know, 15, 20, I guess, oh gosh, it was a long time ago. And, um, you know, he's got a 10-year-old, I said, go get a Blast Motion. Um, and uh, it's just a cool way to you hook it on the end of your bat, and it tells you exactly what your bat does, how fast your bat's swinging, what plane your bat's on. It's all technology, and for and if used correctly, it makes the game a lot of fun. Because let's let's not kid ourselves, baseball is boring. It's it's just a boring game to watch unless you're looking for the game within the game, and you know you've got to be a true baseball fan to enjoy that. So, um, you know, this is making it fun for those kids. Uh, these kids like to see their exit velocity. They like to see the radar reading when they smoke a ball. They want to see how hard they hit it. And it creates a competition and, and a little flavor for the kids. And so I, I highly encourage introducing the technology into these younger kids at the, at the very, very young age um, of 10, 11, because it's just so easy to teach and um, have these kids have so much more fun uh, while well, they use the technology to see what actually works and what actually doesn't. 
Well, you mentioned that, it, it, you know, especially even at the younger age and things like that. Because um, I think, personally, I think it can be a good motivator for, for kids to, uh, you know, develop their game, to work a little bit harder, to kind of push themselves. You know, I talked to you about, you know, using the same technology with kickers, you know, with the leg speed and exit velocity of the ball. I, I know recently there's been some analytics done with um, Matt Prater. He's a kicker with the Detroit Lions. And he has uh, apparently, accordingly, according to at least, you know, the people that have studied it, he has the fastest leg speed, but he also has field goal in NFL history at 64 yards. Currently, Joey Sly uh, with the um, Carolina Panthers, uh, I have personally seen him now hit 67 yards, not in the game. But, uh, you know, there's an argument out there that he may beat that speed record. Um, so, but you, and you mentioned that, with, you know, with uh, young guys or if somebody's curious, they, you know, that you tell them go out and get that test done. Where would they go do that? If, if I'm dad out here and I got a son that's kind of tearing it up and I'm saying, you know, maybe we want to develop this and see where we're at. Where would they go to get that done? Yeah. Um, again, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to take food off anybody's table, but uh, for me, it's, it's about keeping food on my table. So the less money I can spend and uh, get things done on my own, I tell everybody, go get your own, um, go get your own blast motion, go get your own pocket radar gun. It's a great investment. I've had my pocket radar since, uh, I guess for four or five years and it's only 300 bucks. And, um, you know, so these are investments that you make in the kids way cheaper than lessons around town. Um, you know, there's, there's a, another really cool, uh, hit tracks is, is what a lot of kids, you know, really want to go into cages and and hit off the hit tracks. And that's, that's where they have, um, you know, like a, a simulated field, um, and you're hitting off, whoever in the cage and there's a simulated field. So you're actually watching where the ball goes and how far it goes. And, and it, it uh, reads all that stuff. So there's some, there's some fun little things. I mean, we, we did that as a team. I think when people were 14 years old, 13, 14 years old, you know, we took the boys over to uh, East coast baseball Academy. They've got hit tracks over there. If you're in the Charleston area, they're, they're over in West Ashley area. I know they rent out their cage with the hit tracks machine. And, and that's a, that's a, another, like I said, it's just a fun way to kind of have kids practice so that they're, they don't know that they're practicing. Um, they're, they're more, uh, they're just competing with themselves or competing with somebody else on those games. So that's, that's another avenue to go. But again, I, you know, I go back to just telling people, um, you know, save your money uh, and, you know, play around with these toys and, uh, you know, and until you get to an age where, you know, you might need help from somebody. The thing is, you know, uh, we both know there, there are those, uh, we'll just throw dads under the bus and say, they're the dads that, you know, they, they see the young buck tearing it up and, uh, you know, coming up in the coach pitch. And then, the, you know, the first time they, they face real pitchers and we'll call it real pitchers because they're equal in age. We'll say that, um, you know, they kind of, get gun ho and want to get their kids, you know, involved and, and then these lessons and things like that. And, you know, I think that can be a good thing and also probably a bad thing. You know, we, we know that there are a lot of dads out there and I've, I've been guilty of it myself where, you know, we, we think our kids going to be the next superstar, you know, the next, uh, you know, we got Matt Weeders coming on. We think he's going to be the next Matt Weeders. Um, so, you know, what do you do if someone comes to you with that and says, you know, I, I really think I got a shot. Do you say, well, you know, Hey, take them over to the East coast, uh, and get them in there and see what you got? Or, or is it kind of like, you know, well, you know, is there kind of like an evaluation that kind of goes into that when you're having, not you personally, but if there's someone that has that conversation with, you know, said dad with, uh, you know, let's be real with what our expectations are, 
you know, because a lot of times we see uh, overzealous people um, kind of pushing kids really, really young. Um, where's that kind of age limit? Uh, I always say or that kind of window where you say, all right, well, you know, you're you're pretty darn good. And, uh, you know, so let's let's see where we're at. Is, is there kind of a, yeah. you know, that barometer for the age group out there? I don't, I don't know that there's any right answer. I know, I know for me, um, just, just, um, you know, I came out of college, went into pro ball and to make money and survive in the minor league, you got to have another job. So I taught hitting lessons at a, at a facility in St. Louis. And, um, so I was at balls and strikes in St. Louis working, I'm talking like heavy hours during the week. And, um, you know, and from all the stories I heard from all these dads coming in saying this coach said this coach said this, uh, you know, my dad said this, uh, you know, I saw this on TV. Um, all I ever did was say, who's your favorite hitter. And they, you know, and in St. Louis, everyone had a favorite hitter. Uh, unfortunately here in Charleston, I say, Hey, who's your favorite hitter? And they're like, what, what do you mean? I'm like a baseball, like major league baseball player. I don't know. That's that's number one problem. So the reason I tell that story is because that's the first thing dads should do with kids is start watching baseball games with them. My goodness, don't watch, sit down and watch a full, whole four-hour Yankee-Red Sox game, but start watching a few innings with your kid and talking baseball and talking, hey, look at what he does. Um, you know, you emulate those who, uh, you know, are successful. And the big leaguers are pretty successful. So, um, you know, I, I always used to ask the kids when they were younger, hey, wh- why do you stand like that? And they're like, well, I don't, I don't know. It looks cool. I said, well, who in the big leagues does that? Nobody. So you think you're going to be the first person ever to play Major League Baseball that does that, that, that hits like this? And, you know, just kind of make them think, and oh, oh, maybe I should do what every Major League Baseball player does instead of trying to, you know, think that I'm, I'm going to be the first to do something nobody's ever done. Um, uh, sorry to get long-winded, but the, but the answer is watch baseball, uh, emulate the best hitters in the world, emulate the best pitchers in the world, and um, you know that that time will come when um, you know when you're going to need outside help besides dad. But get the kids interested in the game is is my you know is my thought process there, and um, you know teach keep it very simple, very simple, keep it simple and fun, and then once they get around 13, 14, you can you can start tweaking some things and, and getting them ready for high school baseball. Yeah, man. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, that's actually a good segue because I wanted to talk about some of the hitters, especially some of the things that I've noticed uh, just here in the low country. So what we'll do now is uh, we'll take about a one-minute break and uh, we'll come back and uh, discuss these uh, big hitters uh, that's hurting the ball here in the low country. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be back in one minute.
All right, and we're back. Uh, this is Eugene. I'm pushing the buttons behind the screen. we got Tory Tyson on the mic. He is the hostess with the Moses on Wednesday night. The show is Charge the Mound with the skipper, Tory Tyson. So with that, Tory, I wanted to lead back into the, the home run hitters. Uh, I've noticed just following, you know, the post, especially if you follow uh, guys like Dave Shelton, he loves the game of baseball. He's a spring baseball and softball guy. He covers the low country, kind of blankets what he can. Uh, you know, we always give a hard time. He loves the 5A schools. We get all that. Um, but he also loves that 3A region, like you mentioned earlier, that uh, encompasses the Bishop England, the Hanahan, the Oceanside, some of the others. But uh, this year, Tori, I've noticed just based on hearing, you know, some of the reports that, you know, games are being won with some very high scores and a lot of home runs in, in baseball and high school level. Now, we know those guys aren't like college. They can't come back that extra year, uh, you know, the pitchers or the hitters, uh, you know. But uh, have you noticed that there's been some uh, the gorilla ballers, in, especially here in the low country? Because I've seen a lot of, you know, uh, I've seen a lot of scores. I saw one uh, not too long ago where it was the kid from Pinewood who hit three home runs in one game. All right, have you noticed kind of a change, too? I know we talk about the pitchers a lot. So we have some great pitchers here, but it seems like we got a lot of guys putting the ball across the fence. In, I think in general, um, you know, today, the, in today's, you know, sports world in general, everybody's bigger, faster, stronger. I think we're going to continue to see that until it plateaus off at some point. But, you know, you've got, you've got just beasts. I, I don't know the numbers of, of, you know, if you look at Somerville last year, it might have been two, it was two years ago since COVID shortened last year. Um, but you got Cole Messina at a young age, like sophomore year hitting, you know, eight, nine home runs or something. I may be uh, jipping him out of some, but, um, you know, you've, you've only usually got one or two dudes that you hear about around town. I know we had that home run derby hosted by Southern Sports Central last year for the poor seniors that, you know, lost their, their final year. Um, and, I mean, we had some dudes out there that were twice my size, and I'm a big dude, um, you know. And, and so when you play it, at parks like, uh, you know, not to slight Hanahan's hitters or anything, but when you play at Hanahan, I mean, everybody goes in there is licking their chops. They, they're dying to hit there. Um, you've got, um, you know, we've ran around a couple fields that are 350 to center. And, and so, yeah, you're going to, now that the kids are getting bigger and stronger, I think you're going to see, you know, more home runs each year. But uh, it, it still comes down to pitching uh, and defense. And, you know, I, I from, from, Day one, I've told all the kids I've ever coached, you know, it, it's the order of importance is pitching, defense, base running, and then hitting. Um, because it, 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 one hitter can't win your game. It's just not going to happen. Um, I know when Oceanside played Bishop England, they, they intentionally walked their, their big stud, Danny Brooks, that we'll, we'll have on tonight. They intentionally walked him three times. So it's almost impossible if a coach says one hitter won't beat us. It's almost impossible for him to do that. But – um, you know, I enjoy I enjoy seeing these big, strong kids um, that that would would never have been this big, you know, 25, 35 years ago. Um, it, it's a lot more fun watching watching the ball fly than it, than it used to be. Yeah, and you brought so, up Hanahan, man. I, I remember when uh, Big Dylan Seabuck was in eighth grade and he put a ball on top of the gym in that uh, right field corner, man. I tell you, it's a uh, <laughs> I, I, and I get it. He he was bigger than any other kid I've ever seen in eighth grade, a uh, kid that you know as well. But, um, you know, and, and we see that a lot, you know. And, and, of course, you know, when we had Ceno on last week, uh, you know, he talked about that. 
you know, the BP in high school was pretty much you go to BP and, uh, you know, you want to see how many you can put out the yard. Uh, I think that a lot of high school coaches, you know, push that. And he said, you know, when I get to college, you know, we show it with a purpose. It's not so much about putting it over the fence. It's, you know, can I move base runners around? Can I hit oppo balls and things like that? You know, can I just drive the ball? Can I tattoo it, you know, up the middle, things like that? So I think you get a little bit more that advanced training on how to hit and hit for purpose. But, uh, you know, like I said, and you brought up a good point with the size. You know, we look at kids, and you brought up that home run derby last year. I had a little friendly bet going with um, Brian Garris, uh, you know, over uh, who would win that home run derby, and I put my money on Big Jeb Hudson out of Berkeley. Now, this is a young man that's right. six foot three, 225 pounds. I've known him since he was eight years old. He, he was the middle linebacker for Berkeley's football team. And, uh, you know, when he went on that streak, I think in the second round, he hit something like 18 home runs. Uh, in a ballpark that the wind was blowing a little bit, uh, but it wasn't like strong enough to like really make a huge difference. Uh, but you know he was just crushing it, um, and you see that now. Because I, I remember you brought up St. Louis and you brought up you know the home run hitters and, and people like that that you like to watch. And, and I remember back when I'll never forget it, 1998, and I think you remember what happened in 1998, Sosa. And, and McGuire were chasing that home run thing, and Sosa, at his biggest size, was five foot ten, two hundred and twenty-seven pounds. Now we got these six foot three, two hundred and twenty-pound high schoolers who play linebacker or also gorilla ball in the ball. You know, kind of back in that old LSU days. And so, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing that whole trickle down with you know, load up on the size and strength and put the ball over the fence. Right, yeah, you know, like you you bring up that uh, big kid. What was his name again? He was Jed Hudson at Berkeley. Jed, that's right, that's right at Berkeley. I mean, when immediately, I, I thought I knew who was going to win that, and immediately when he walked up, I was like, uh oh, I'm I'm wrong. Of course, I ended up being right, and uh, OTA's Darren Kraft did end up winning it. But um, no, the, the guys are so much bigger and stronger. Um, it's a lot more fun to watch. But we've definitely got some coaches around town that are still telling the kids, hit the ball on the ground, hit the ball on the ground. And we've got uh, instructors around town or towns saying, hit the ball in the air, hit the ball in the air. Um, you know, and I, I think, um, I think it's, it doesn't have to be black and white. I think if you hit the ball as hard as you possibly can, uh, just, just try and hit a line drive. Um, I don't see why this became – it's either got to be a ground ball or a fly ball because, you know, the highest batting averages are actually on line drives. So, um, you know, for me, it's it's a very simple simple thing. Those big guys try and hit line drives. When they get big enough, they turn into home runs. Um, you know, so so with that said, Eugene, I, I, I'm sitting here. I, I see I've got Nick Capello from Hanahan High on hold here. So I want to bring him in. The Nick got the W last night. Uh Hanahan over Bishop England against the, uh, uh, you know, the, the much talked about Danny Brooks from BE. So we're going to bring Nick in here and, and uh, ask him some questions. All right, guys, uh, we're bringing in Nick. Uh, hold on tight, Nick. We're going to bring you in in style, buddy.
We welcome Nick Capello from Hanahan High School, who pitched a gym last night. Uh, welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, having me on. Uh, it was an exciting win last night. We're hoping to do the same thing tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I've talked to a couple of your coaches and about the game, and I talked to a couple of BE people as well. And you know uh, that one of your teammates' dads, uh, Greg Gomes, he, he does a really good job with Facebook Live. So I got a pretty good angle. I don't know what kind of what kind of rig he's got going there, but it zooms in and out, and it's it's pretty good shot. So I got to see like four or five of your innings last night. Looked pretty sharp. Uh, obviously, you felt good last night. Um, I talked to your pitching coach, Bryce, quite a bit this morning, Bryce Flory, and uh, uh, that's that's two games I've seen you pitch really well in the last week. I, I, I wish uh, a couple weeks ago was a different outing, but uh, but heck of a job, man. Thank you. It's uh... – how, how do you feel? Uh, you know, it looks like you're you're pitching and catching for them, and you're kind of like the guy. You're going to be at one of those two spots. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it is. I I um, were you always the number two uh, at Hanahan, like right out of the gate this year? Did you kind of work your way up there, or you know, did you think you'd be we, pitching in, in huge games like this when you started the season? We had a. Uh, a little bit of a change. Um, our main starter was going to be Josh Litwin, and um, he's been having shoulder problems. So then we moved. AJ had a really good game against James Island at the beginning of the season, and ever since then, he was listed as our number one. And I wasn't really a starting pitcher yet until I had the game against Oceanside, and then that was just kind of they were seeing if I could pitch well. And – after that, I guess that just boosted me and uh, boosted their confidence in uh, in me and being a starter. That's awesome. Well, I, I, I was talking to Bryce about you this morning. You know, it's 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 all about throwing strikes. You look at your line. I don't have it in front of me. Only one walk last night, and how many punch outs? Seven. Uh, I think it was nine at the in seven. nine. Nice. Uh, was that right? Only one walk. Uh, I might have. It was either one or two. I know that. Okay. Well, I, I know, like I was saying earlier, I don't know if you're listening before you, you jumped on, but, um, you know, I was kind of just talking about you're facing Danny Brooks, and, and I'm assuming Hanahan has heard about Danny Brooks, right? You you oh, guys yeah. have heard. Every the, day. The... <laughs> Every day. Um, I, I know, I know, uh, being an Oceanside dad, everybody was geared up for him from, you know, before the season. Um, was that, I mean, how, how awesome, like, when did you find out that, that, uh, Mitchell's giving you the ball against Danny Brooks and, and was it cooler knowing, Hey, I'm going to go beat Danny Brooks. Um, you know, what, what was going through your head? You know, when I found out I was starting against him, um, I wasn't – there was no nervous at all. It was uh, – I was really pumped. I wanted to be the dude to outpitch Danny. And I've seen all the videos of his bullpens and how he throws 97. And if I'm being honest, uh, he was struggling to throw a lot of strikes. And uh, his velocity wasn't like it really seemed like. And according – if it's to the stats, he gave up two runs. I gave up one. And, again, I was – 
I was really pumped about pitching against him. I just wanted to outbeat him, and I wanted to. I knew there was going to be a lot of people uh, watching him at that game, and I wanted to get my name out there and uh, pitching well like that. It just kind of put me out into the light and sort of put him into the shadows at the at that moment. Yeah, and it gets you. You're the first guest on the biggest radio baseball radio show in the Low Country, so <laughs> you you're big time now, Nick. Um, all joking aside, though, Nick, uh, you know, just to let the listeners know, Nick, Nick used to play for me when when the kids were a lot younger. Um, the, this, the, these sophomore kids around town in general, watch out because that's it's a that 2023 class. You're going to have a whole lot of Power Five Division One commits here in the, in the next year or two. Um, I, Nick, I, I guess you haven't pitched enough. You know, who's uh, I guess. Did anybody strike fear in you in BE when you're pitching last night, or or was it just a uh, you know I'm a bulldog, I got the ball, um, I'm going to attack, or, or were you careful with anybody last night? The only guy I was really careful with was uh, Loggins because I knew he's a really good hitter. Um, I I didn't know uh, how Danny hit. I just knew he was really big, so I know I had to keep the ball down. But the other seven guys, I was I was going right at them. Um, I wasn't expecting to blow anybody away on my fastball, but the guys are telling me I was, you know, humming it in there a little bit. But um, for the most part, I was attacking everybody except those two. Yeah, those are definitely the the two to watch out for. I know Chase hits three hole for him, and he takes up the whole box of them big old legs and body of his. And um, especially when you're playing at Hanahan, did that is that so both big games that you pitch or at Hanahan. And for those people that don't know, um, I mentioned it earlier tonight, Hanahan is not the most friendly park to pitchers. Um, do you, do you pitch differently there than you would, let's say if you had, a, a another game in a week and a half against, uh, against that same team? Well, the most important thing about pitching there, um, is keeping the ball low. I learned that the hard way with your son in the first inning, <laughs> but, um, you got to really keep the ball down. It's not like you're playing at James Island. Um, so any routine fly out, if there's any wind at all, it could severely have a chance of going over. So you got to be really careful with who's up to bat and what you're throwing to them. Great, great. How's how's everything been transitioning, um, you know, from catching to pitching? Uh, and, you know, arm arm doing well. Um, you know, is Bryce working with you there on anything in particular? Or is it just kind of like, this is what I got, and Bryce calls the game, and, and you just execute what he's calling? Um, me and him have been – I kind of treat it like a duo. Because, uh, you know, we're always talking about, you know, in between innings, we talk for a good two, three minutes every inning, every practice, just – What's our what's our plan? You know how we're gonna face these guys. Um, but the transition from catching to pitching, um, a lot of ice. I ice my arm a lot. Uh, a lot of ibuprofen, and I'm in the trainer's room every day and out there running sprints. Good deal. Good deal. So, um, who do you got? Do you know who you guys got going tomorrow night? We got AJ Bryant uh, on the mound tomorrow. All right, and then I'm assuming BE is going to bring back. Uh, you probably don't know. I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask Danny when he gets in here. 
but I'm, a, I'm assuming they'll bring the back Hollister who ended up, um, you know, ending that game. Uh, walk our listeners through uh, the excitement and the ending of that game. If you don't mind, like what, Get, first, just give us a, a nobody. I'm, I'm assuming most people don't know what really how it went down in the last inning. If you could just give me a, a, a brief overview and then just kind of take you through what your emotions were. That uh, that last inning, um, when Foster was up to bat, that foul ball there was bases loaded um, from the start of the inning. Uh, the new kid, I think his name's Sam Hollister. He came in, and um, I think he walked the first three guys. And Foster came up, and it was three-two for a good, for a good while. He was battling pitches off, and there was one ball that he grounded the third, and we thought it was a walk-off. So we all start running on the field, and they ended up calling it foul because it hit off his foot. I mean, we all knew it was foul, but it just played along because it was three-two, and there's already one out. But uh, right, a couple pitches later. Uh, ball four, and that was probably the best feeling we've had this season, uh, being that we haven't beat Bishop England and we haven't been able to win a region uh, for the past few years. So having the old players come back and watching that game and being able to beat them at least one game in the series, it was uh, it was pretty exciting knowing that we were the team to do it. Um, speaking of Bryce, again this morning just talking about um, I'm sure you know the history of BE and Hanahan and uh, your work is not done here um, because this has happened before where you guys end up having to play so just so everyone knows if BE were to win Thursday night against Hanahan they've got to turn around and play another game Saturday um, just for seeding in the playoffs Um, like I kind of told everybody earlier tonight that does have some some it brings some pretty big weight to it. You don't want to play one of the best teams right away uh, when you get into the playoffs. So, um, you know, uh, Bryce said this has been – they've been having that playoff play-in game many, many times. And, um, you know, BE has always had the Jeffrey Gilbert to, to just shove it right up their rear ends. Um, and now they've got Danny Brooks to do the same. And it looks like you guys dodged a major bullet. And, you know, you outpitched them last night, to be quite honest. And um, put your guys in a really good situation. Uh, I'm assuming the boys all feel pretty confident going into tomorrow. 100%. AJ's ready to go. He's been he's been locked in for the past week, weekend. He's uh, – he wanted – they were going to throw him uh, – Last night, and they wanted to go with me and save AJ for when we don't face Danny. Um, at least that's what I'm assuming. But uh, he's locked in. The rest of the team's locked in, and we're ready to go to battle them all. Absolutely. I know I saw AJ Bryant is who we're talking about. Um, you know, and he's a senior, right, Nick? Yeah, he's a senior. Yeah, I, you know, I've I've seen um, I I had firsthand seen him pitch against Oceanside and. And I guess he invented a slider that just gave us all kinds of fits. And um, he pitched an absolute gem against a pretty good lineup. And, um, you know, to, to put you guys in this situation as well. So, um, you know, uh, Eugene, do you – just to pull you in here, do you have any questions for Nick or, or anything about, you know, what he's going to go through here in the next week? Yeah, man, so I know, you know, it's a, it's a heck of an accomplishment. You know, you look at 3A region here, it's pretty tough. I mean, you know, I think it's one of the top heavy re- regions where you have, 
you know, the, the, those three teams that, that could go. I mean, you guys uh, look, are in the driver's seat, actually, to win the region now when people probably thought, you know, preseason you'd probably finish third and out of the playoffs. You know, you got those two wins versus Oceanside in some very close games. Uh, now you've beaten BE at their best. Uh, you know, what's it like, you know, pressure-wise going into this Friday night game, knowing, uh, you know, or now Thursday night game, knowing, you know, all the marbles are on the table, and yet we're in the driver's seat, and yet all these people, at least in the preseason, counted us out of the playoffs. Uh, one thing Coach Mitchell really uh, stuck into our heads was the day before, the, actually the day we played Brooklyn Casey at the beginning of the season, he showed us the rankings, and we weren't top ten. And that's been engraved and in our heads. And we actually have that picture in the locker room just so everybody knows that we were the underdog coming into this and we want to come out on top. And we're going at it 100% every day of practice. And there's no days off whatsoever. And we're, we're, going, we're going all the way this year. We, we got the team. We got the effort. We got the skill. And we're – we're a really good team this year. This is one of the best teams that we've had that I feel like. I played last year. We got our season taken away. And if we weren't going to do it this year, we we're going to do it this year. And we're, we're ready to go to fight this playoff. Nick, the last thing, I, the, uh, you know, you, you played for me. Um, you played for, obviously, Coach Mitchell. Uh, we have extremely, I, I would say, opposite styles, would you say, as far as that guy's got some energy. I don't have energy. I thought. I would love to have his energy. Um, but I will say this, as as annoying and, like, chalkboard fingerboards it was to watch your bench and watch your team and the energy and, and in my opinion, uh, the unprofessional energy, all that, I'm going to be honest. Now that I've seen it three games where it drives me bonkers, I, I'm going to be honest. I think that's your edge. Um, uh, you know, so I, I want to get your opinion on that. The, the smack talking, the, uh, you know, the sometimes probably a little too far. I heard there might've been an elbow thrown on a pop-up last night. Um, things that I would never condone, but it seems like you guys have a little bit of a swagger, a little bit of, of an FU, uh, type, uh, atmosphere on your team. And I know, uh, talking to Bryce that Coach Mitchell's kind of told you to, to cool it down a little bit, told you guys to cool it down. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Don't you think that part of that swag is what's taking you, you know, through these three games? Well, I believe so. And we have one weak side, and that's the long ball. And we don't – we're not a double and home run hitting team. We don't have, like, the big guys. So the way we win is – scrappy so we'll bump we'll hit and run and we'll get uh cheap talking a little bit just to try to get them rattled or get under their skin a little bit but i mean there's a few players that take it too far um but for the main part like we we try not to yell at specific players but it's there's some people (laughs) that will go directly at players especially last night from the first pitch um, I I couldn't tell you what was being yelled out the dugout. I mean, <laughs> also it was pretty ugly last night. Oh yeah, but yeah. I mean they were doing the same thing back. They started it uh, before they even hit in the cages. They were 
uh, pointing at all of our senior banners. So that just kind of got us fired up. And uh, I had oh, actually another question about that. Um, so, so you pitch this game of your life, man. You get this big win over a big time program, you know. And, and you've got, like you said, you've heard the chatter. You guys see it. You're on Snapchat and everything else. Uh, you know, what time did you end up going to bed? What time did you actually go to sleep last night? Are you one of those dudes that just carries that energy, or is it, or do you kind of like crash when the game's over after you're fired up and kind of charged up? You know, you had that tunnel vision, like you said, all game, or you know, you kind of locked in. You don't remember a whole lot, but uh. You know, so so does that carry with you for hours after the game, or are you just kind of like ah, side out, you know, and then you're done and just crash? Well, we went to Waffle House after the game, and we were there for about <laughs> hour and a half just talking. Um, but after the game, I couldn't go to sleep. I was I was replaying the same video over and over. I was looking all over uh, Max Preps and just every website there was just running down plays to my head. I, I couldn't fall asleep. Um, half of that was me being, like, pumped up that I pitched that game, and the other half is I want to win Thursday, too. I'm not going to lie. A good two hours after the game, I was I forgot about it a little bit, and I started thinking about Thursday. Because I know um, as much as we're talking now and all the cheap talk that we're sending their way, they can send it right back to us if they go 2-0 the rest of the week. But um, so we know the job's not over with, but I think we've all – we're all worrying about Thursday more. We're, we've kind of shoved that win out the window, and now we're ready for the next one. Awesome, Nick. You're going to you're gonna need that energy. I don't want to get you in trouble with Coach Mitchell or anything, but I don't know if I'd listen to him. I think I'd, I'd let the guys that take it too far keep taking it too far, and I, I think I'd let – I'd let everything kind of go crazy because I'm, I'm going to be honest that I really feel, feel like that gave you the edge, um, at least against Oceanside. And it sounds like uh, you may have gotten under their skin a little bit last night at BE as well. Uh, so I, I wish you the best of luck um, and coach Mitchell and the guys over there. And, and I appreciate you for joining me and um, you know, anything I can ever do for you, you know, I'm still here for you. Yes, sir. It was, uh, it was fun. Thank you for having me. Heck of a job. And get back behind the dish the next two games and uh, ice ice yourself up, throw some guys out if they get anybody on. I don't, I don't know that they'll get anybody on, though, to be quite honest. <laughs> so, so um, yes, good sir. luck, man. Thank All you. Right, take care. That was Nick Capello from Hanahan High School. He got the big W last night against – or, uh, yep, uh, against uh, Danny Brooks of Bishop England, who we will have up next in uh, – in just about 10, 15 minutes when he gets home from baseball practice. Um, Eugene, um, you know, you got any thoughts on, on what we heard there from that young man who's just a sophomore and uh, got to go up against, you know, a senior that is highly touted with, you know, 20, 25 scouts at all his games. And, and um, you know, then there's a sophomore that came in and, and did a great job against him. I tell you, and just listening to him, you know, he, he definitely tell he's either been coached up with how to speak or he's just a very mature young man. And that's a good sign to hear, you know, because he is a sophomore, you know, and last year, his freshman year, whether he made varsity or not, uh, you know, they didn't get to play that season. I, you know, some teams got in, what, about two or three, four. I think a couple of teams played one of those, uh, some of those tournaments and got in maybe five or six games. But, you know, they didn't have that season. So this is his first kind of, varsity season and it's not I want to say full season but we know what that means this year um you know and and to kind of have that little 
chip on his shoulder a little bit, but also that, that, that confidence. I don't want to call it swagger. I like the confidence. You know, when we talk to these athletes, you know, be confident with who you are. Be confident in your abilities because, you know, to do this at this level, you've got to have some talent. And, and to do it very successfully, as he did against one of the top teams here, especially in the state or the low country, you know, that says a lot about his physical ability. Uh, but on the radio, you can definitely tell he's a very mature young man. He seemed to be mature, uh, you know, a couple of years above where he is. You know, at, at that sophomore level, he's probably maybe 15, 16 years old. You know, he sounded a little bit older than that. And for, uh, the, you know, any coaches or, or people listening in, you know, they kind of get an idea of what this young man's a little bit, you know, ha- has kind of in the tank where, where, you know, you talked about it before. you got to have that mental uh, ability to go to match that physical ability. And it sounds like, you know, he's kind of, you know, developing that full package. Yeah, I mean, knowing knowing Nick over the last three four years, um, you know, we we all knew uh, he was going to be a guy. He's always been a pitcher catcher with a really good arm, um, and you know, he's had some arm problems. Um, you know that he's that he's taken care of nothing nothing big, um, just maybe overuse from little league and not me though, um, but uh, and he's really coming on strong. And I, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, I don't know which direction he's going to go at this point, um, but you know he's he's definitely uh, a game changer behind the plate. And I know they had another sophomore catch him last night that they pulled up from JV um, that caught again against Oceanside uh, the week before. Um, and because Nick was catching every game for them and, um, they thought they might hurt their team by not having him behind the plate. And it's been a really huge two games, obviously the, the two biggest games they've had this year. And, and he's come out with two W's and, um, and he, heck, he almost pitched two complete games, um, against Oceanside. They had to finish it out with another guy, but, um, you know, very impressive, uh, you know, I'm really happy for Nick and, um, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely be seeing him at a division one program someday. Pitcher catcher remains to be seen. So I'm glad Nick could join us. And, um, you know, I, I know we'll be joined by Danny Brooks, um, in just a few minutes. He just shot me a little text that said, are you ready for me? So he should be coming on here soon. And Eugene, I'll let you do your magic with all your little toys and stuff. And, um, I'll wait until you tell me to go. Well, well? Yeah, real quick. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to say, you know, you mentioned that catcher they brought up from the JV, uh, who, who, you know, what a heck of a moment for that guy. We're going to have to get that guy on the show soon because, you know, to come up for the JV and catch a game of that magnitude with so much on the line, you know, because, you know, <laughs> that, that's a heck of a job behind the plate. I, I know your son uh, plays catcher. You've played the position as well. You know how much of a challenge it can be but to bring a young man up from the JV squad to the varsity squad on that stage, you know, that's, that takes a lot of guts, a lot of courage, and a lot of moxie by that young man. So we'll have to get him on. But one thing, you know, you brought up the 2023s, and I know you've talked about those cats many times on this show, uh, especially here in the low country, and, and there are a lot that you know that you've cooked. Um, you know, they're in the upstate. They're the, in the upstate too. There's some studs around here in that sophomore class. Well, well put, putting on the other hat, you know, your professional hat, man. I mean, you know, is the word out professionally to come, you know, for the professional scouts to come look at these uh, 2023, or, or you know, is it kind of, you know, I know you like to steer them towards the college ranks, and you know, you discuss the analytics of all that, but uh, you know, uh, with the other hat, do you, do you tell these guys, hey? 
we got a bunch of 2020. We really got to pay attention to these sophomores. Well, uh, you know, that's, that's the value of who we're bringing on next with, with Danny Brooks is um, just like Nick Capella said, he said, I knew everybody was going to be there to watch Danny. And I knew it was an opportunity for me to put myself on the map. I'm putting words into his mouth, but that seemed about what he was referring to. And that's what these younger kids, you know, that's, that's what Danny, the Danny Brookses of the world, the seniors that are bringing scouts into the stands are going to do for these young kids. All they're going to do is get put into a little database and they'll say, hey, let's come back and check this guy out when he's a senior. So none of those sophomores or even juniors are going to be looked at by any of these pro teams. But they can definitely put themselves on the map while these guys are in the ballpark and and uh, do something special. So, um, you know, so on the professional level, no, there aren't going to be any scouts looking at sophomores or juniors. They'll wait. They'll wait until the year that matters and their senior year or or their junior year summer is when they they really find these guys. And we'll we'll ask Danny about this when we bring him on a second here, um, because you know Danny's last summer was just crazy and and he popped and put himself on the map. He was, he was under the radar until last summer, and then it just popped, exploded. He put himself on the map. So we will uh, segue into to our uh, Danny Brooks with that comment. Uh, oh, yeah. If I bring it here, if you do. Well, i tell you what, uh, I know you're listening, Danny. I know we got you on the line. We're going to bring you in style, man. I know you're throwing the ball like a hurricane, so we got something special tailored just for you, buddy. We'll bring you in in just a second. like a hurricane and bring in Danny Brooks from Bishop England High School. Uh, Danny, thanks for joining us. Hi. Thank you for having me. Hey. Uh, we just, I don't know if you heard anything. Did you hear we had Nick Capello on uh, before you? Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> I know. I, I, it's not the, the uh, it's a little somber, the mood. Um, I know you are expected to walk in and and uh, just shut down a team single-handedly, and which you really did. I mean, when you look at it, you gave up one run last night, for those of you who don't know. One run last night, and uh, I'll, I'll let you tell everybody how that run came in, if you would like. Um, well, basically, it was just, I think it was bases loaded, and they called a balk, and he right. walked in. Um, yeah, so. Well, yeah, tough loss last night. Um, 
tough loss last night. I know you bucked in the only run you gave up, and and then um, you know you got up near 100 pitches, and your game your game was over. And um, you know, I, I, I mean, is did that loss last night? You know, what did that do to your team? Do you think uh, it took any wind out of your sails, or do you think you guys are ready ready to rock tomorrow night? No, we'll be ready. We just take the same approach, uh, not phase. You know, um, obviously it gives them a little momentum, but we'll be ready. I don't know if you heard what I was just uh, telling Nick, uh, but, you know, I'm obviously – uh, you know me pretty well off the field as well. Uh, I'm not a fan of, of the way that, uh, you know, Hanahan acted. And Nick said it was pretty bad last night. Uh, even, you know, he said some, some of his own teammates pr- might have taken it too far. Uh, was that a pretty ugly game as far as trash talk goes? Or, or you know, what's your take there? Like to, to be honest, when I'm playing, I don't really hear any of it. It's all like background noise. So I didn't hear. Uh, the only thing I could hear is uh, when we were in, uh, when we were hitting, I they were like saying some stuff to our players. But while I'm pitching, if they were saying anything to me, I did not hear. Like I didn't hear what they were saying. So, right, you're in the zone. How'd you how'd you feel yeah. last night? Um. Well, before the game, I was like, I could tell I didn't feel my best. Um. But I was just trying to. I couldn't. I couldn't find my curveball. Throw it consistently for a strike last night. I had a couple good ones, but I think that's what um, kind of set me back because everybody knows the fastball is coming. If I don't have my curveball, I threw a few change-ups. I don't really throw those that much, though, because for high school, that's like a varsity fastball. So, um, <laughs> Right, right. For but, those of you who don't know, yeah. for the, I don't want to like let you toot your own horn. I'll, I'll toot it for you, but – you know, when Danny's changeups around 82 to 84, uh, which is the average high school fastball, which is exactly what Nick Cabello was pitching at last night. So that's that's what he's referring to is, you know, his changeup guys might accidentally run into that thing. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so you went fastball, curveball, didn't have your best stuff. So you didn't have your best stuff. You went five innings and walked five, struck out five. Yeah. I think I'm right on that line. Um, yeah. What, like, I mean, so you, you felt terrible before the game, you didn't have your best stuff and you gave up one run on, on a balk. Is that accurate? Yes. Yes, sir. That's not, not a, not a horrible night. Um, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to just keep, keep rehashing the game cause it really doesn't matter when you, when you think about it, cause it all comes down to tomorrow night and Saturday on your guys end. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I've been pretty open. I was rooting for BE because, uh, just, just because of the way Hanahan, you know, kind of acted in the games, uh, that I saw against Oceanside. Um, but I, I told Nick, I gotta be honest, the way that they act is it's kind of an edge. Um, and uh-huh. I, you know, I, I don't know, I, you did not get affected by that edge. You know, you were, you were saying you're in your own world. You beat yourself last night. Um, yeah. but do you think that Hanahan has some swagger or, 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 um, you know, am I reading that wrong? Um, I don't know how, I don't know how like to approach that but I think their swagger comes from doing good like if they made a mistake they're like quiet and stuff like that um 
and it comes from us making mistakes too. Right. I just don't. I just don't really think they are like. I mean, maybe they're a little cocky about it, but like when something goes wrong, it, they're not as like uh, cocky. So I get guess, up about it. Get up on them, stay up on them, and it shouldn't be a problem. I, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think there would be a quiet dugout, but OCA couldn't do it. You guys kept them in the game all night. Um, you know, I was I was hoping you had your stuff like OCA um, and uh, just, just to kind of get them, get them back for me. But, um, I, you know, yeah. I, I want to move on. Unless you want to talk about the game, I, I'm assuming you don't, right? There's way more important stuff to talk about. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just want to move on and, you know, you're a unique situation because we, we, uh, I know BE has had Jeffrey Gilbert, who was the man, uh, for all four years yeah. that he was there. Um, you know, yeah. we know Jeffrey's at Clemson. He's dominating at Clemson too, which is awesome to see for such a good kid. Um, obviously you'd like to follow in his footsteps. Um, you know, Danny's, uh, committed to college of Charleston right now. And, um, you know, uh, has Jeffrey, uh, you know, I saw some pictures online of you with Jeffrey last weekend up at Clemson. I know your dad and you went to see him. Uh, is he a friend of yours? Uh, has he helped you with anything uh, recruiting-wise, uh, just just thought process-wise? What's your relationship like with Jeffrey? Yeah, we're pretty we're pretty good friends. I, talk, I mean, during the season, I don't talk to him as much, but sometimes I ask him, um, like, how it was basically like at a high school, how he handled certain things um, and how he approached them. And then I, like I asked him times for some uh, advice, I guess, on how to approach because he went through it all up to Clemson. So. Right. Um, right. But yeah, <laughs> I like to, he's one, I, we're pretty good friends. I like to joke around with them and stuff like that. So. Well, I enjoy watching him pitch. He's a freaking bulldog, yeah. man. He, he, he only – well, let's, let's put it this way. The game I saw him pitch about three weeks ago, he was only 90-91. But you would think he threw 100 the way he pitches. He yeah. doesn't care. He is not scared of anything. Uh, he's just like, here you go, here's 90. And just in, yeah. out, up, down. And uh, he's really fun to watch. Um, so, I, you know, it's, it's awesome that he's an inspiration to you. Tell me – uh, tell me what it's like. Uh, you know, most of the high school kids you talk about, they're talking about where where are you committed? You know, um, like we had mentioned, you committed to College of Charleston. Was it your sophomore year? Yes, sir. So you got rid of that early. You said, I'm done with that. I don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. You had a different predicament, and, and it's a great problem to have. But, uh, you know, I, I actually saw – post uh, a post by your old man today talking about the pressure you face and I don't know how many people know that type of pressure um, I for one do um, and do you feel pressure I know you said you didn't feel pressure last night but do you feel pressure every time you go out every time you do something even if it's just a warming up before a game when 20 scouts you know major league scouts we're not talking about you know, not to slight College of Charleston or anything. We're not talking about Clemson, College of Charleston, South Carolina. We're talking about 20, 25 different major league teams with radar guns on you, even just just watching you walk down to the bullpen. What, is, what 
you know, <laughs> kind of fill us in on what the heck that's like. Well, uh, last summer when I heard you saying that, that's when I popped. Like, it was, like, new, so I wasn't, like, worried about it or anything like that, and I just threw. But, like, as I kept getting more attention and status and my name started to get, uh, like, spread more, (laughs) then I just felt like this pressure even more that I had to, like, be perfect and stuff like that. And obviously that's not true, but – because no one's perfect. And – but, you know, like, before games where I'm just walking out to go throw, I'm just, like, all these guys are, like, standing behind me while I'm warming up, like, 10-foot throws, videoing my uh, warm-up. And um, <laughs> I'm just, like, you know, I'm just thinking sometimes I'm just thinking, like, God, if I throw it away or something like that. But I kind of learned right. to just who cares and stuff like that, you know. Because I need to have so that was mindset, more- especially going into. Sorry, sorry. No, I was just going to say, is there more pressure now, or was there more um, pressure at the end of last summer? I think there's more pressure now because even when I went into ECP, I think it's just because the draft's coming up, and I'm just like, right. you know, it keeps getting closer and closer. But like last at the end of last summer, I was having fun and you know just growing, and I was relaxed and all the. People I got to meet last summer, so it was pretty fun. And then I think it's just, like, for BE, we're trying to win a state championship this year, and then I just um, got all this stuff from the draft, too. It's, But it's just I got to deal with it. So It is it is a lot. I mean, um, you know, none of these other kids understand what you're even talking about. You're, you're even talking about when you play catch to warm up, you have to worry about – the way you look, the way you throw the ball, when you're just throwing a 30-foot throw to your catcher to start <laughs> to start warming up. And that's what these guys don't understand. And, and um, you know, it, it, it is a, it's taxing. And, you know, Eugene asked Nick how he slept after the game. I, you know, I haven't talked to you about it, but it's got to be tough to just every day to sleep for you because for those of you who don't know, he's got a draft, a major league draft coming up here. Um, and he's only got a couple of months until he's got a life-changing decision to make. Um, you know, Danny, Danny, just for everyone to know, Danny has been uh, rumored by uh, – I've talked to several organizations about you. I've heard anything from first to fifth round, um, you know, which has got to be just like gut-wrenching to you guys because you're talking about a possibility of facing life-changing money – or do I go to college? Um, it's going to be a tough yeah. decision. Um, you hope it's going to be a tough decision. Let's put it that way. And um, yeah, you know, uh, you know, I feel for you. It is it is a good problem to have, though, obviously. Um, <laughs> yes. And um, you know, I, I've been talking a lot about uh, the college recruiting stuff. Um, you know, was that stressful back in your sophomore year, or? Or was CFC kind of like the first people to really love you and give you a great offer? How did how did that whole thing, um, you know, tax you back when you were in ninth and then tenth grade? Because um, I know with obviously Tagger, who you know, uh, you know, a tenth grader 
we're already talking about where you committed, where you committed, because if you commit, then you can start on your travel team. If you don't commit, you're not going to start on your travel team. Um, You know, luckily Taggers in the same organization that you came through, the Canes, um, you know, national American teams, um, you know, what, where, where did you feel the most pressure? Um, well, the recruiting process is kind of easy. I mean, I was younger, so I was kind of like jumped the gun a little bit, but I felt like, I, I felt like it was the best, uh, choice for me, uh, at the time. I mean, I really like all the coaches and the program that they have there and stuff like that. <laughs> but like after I committed to CFC, it wasn't really like, I felt a little pressure, but not as much as I started to get last summer into this high school season. Um, right. Well, I, th- I think, I don't think anybody can, I don't even think you know how much pressure you're, you're, um, you know, facing right now when you're talking about the MLB draft. Um, but going back to the recruiting process, you know, I, and I, I've told you, I've told your dad many times, like I'm a huge fan of, you know, going to college, getting better, getting bigger, getting stronger, um, all that to make more money. However, obviously, when you're faced with a two, three million dollar, you know, decision uh, that goes into it, have you guys, have you guys thought about that? Um, You know, I don't, when you answer this, remember, I don't want you to give any secrets away to anybody, uh, knowing that we need you to get the most leverage you can have. So don't, don't give anything away, but um, you know, what, is that decision uh, something you're looking forward to, or are you kind of like, you know, uh, scared to some extent? Uh, well, I'm actually looking forward to it because I kind of already know what I want to do in that situation. Um, so I don't think it will be a problem. Okay, great. Great. Eugene, you got me. I, you, Eugene Ben's been licking his chops for you to come on this show. He's, He's, I think he's more excited about you than Matt Weider. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I don't know what's going on here, but for someone to like you more than a than a thirteen year old, you know, a thirteen year major leaguer, I, I don't know. So Eugene, what what do you, what do you want to get in? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, my history is, you know, I played the game of baseball. Uh, I was a second baseman, so I was more of a defensive guy. I could switch it left and right. Um, and my goal was to walk on at Mississippi State. Now, this was back in the 90s. I made it through the first, I think, two cuts uh, on a year that they went to the World Series. Now, we know what Mississippi State is now. They're one of the top programs in the country. Um, you know, we talked about College of Charleston, and you made that commitment. So I was just kind of curious, you know, being a guy in the low country, you know, was it that opportunity to, you know, to play Division One baseball, you know, that high-level baseball, and stay close to home? Or was it something about maybe a staff member or something like that? You just kind of said, you know, this is where I want to play at the next level for at least three years? I think it was a mixture of um, both. Like I said earlier, I, I just really liked all the coaches and, like, how they go about um, their program. And uh, I also it's, like, a good, uh, good thing for my parents since I'm, like, ten minutes from – College of Charleston, but it'll be right. good in the spring because we'll be right near the beach. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and that eleven to one ratio is always a great recruiting yeah, exactly. tool for the College of Charleston coaches. He's, yeah, he's, he, you heard a baseball show. I was wondering. 
I was wondering if uh, the coaches kind of hinted that eleven to one ratio. I've known that's that's actually been the standard. I know the <laughs> Citadel guys kind of like that too. The Citadel coaches for football know. actually use that as well. But um, you know, really? so, so you know, your high school career, and I know your goal is to win state, man. And you know, you talked about the draft coming up and and things like that. And you know, there might be that decision time come where it's you know, do I stay or do I go? so to speak. Um, you know, what goes through your mind? I mean, you're what, 17 years old? Is that about right? Uh, 18. Yes, sir. Okay. You're already 18. So what goes through an 18? I mean, and legally you're a grown man. Now what goes through your mind as an 18 yeah. year old thinking about that? You know, well, I kind of might have a chance to go ahead and get, you know, get paid and do this professionally. I know the major league baseball sets up all this money aside for college yeah. uh, should, should, should the major leagues not work out. But I'm just kind of curious as to thought process for an 18 year old, um, because I'm twice that plus some, uh, you know, with that on the horizon. Um, well, some, like I look at it as I've been working, like this was a goal. I was, I was telling everybody in my middle school, my parents, I was going to get drafted my senior year out of high school. I think I started telling people that in sixth grade. And since then, <clears throat> I started, okay. like, working out and working for it. So I just think, like, sometimes the fan, like, the fan, when I was younger, the fan in me is like, oh, my God, look at all these scouts here and stuff like that, and you're about to get drafted. But then I have to come back <clears throat> to center myself. And also, uh, like, my faith plays a huge role in keeping me grounded and stuff like that and not worrying about what will happen because whatever does happen, draft or college, it will be the best route for me, at least. Well, everybody that loves the game of baseball like you do, and you have to love it to do it like you do, uh, the day-in, day-out training. Um, you know, if you look up at the major leagues either now or, or you know, past or whatnot, uh, is there a pitcher that you kind of, like, look at, you know, you study his game and say, you know, I want to be like this guy, I want to pitch like him? Uh, and, and the other question is, you know, and, and not saying anything about your draft because you enter the draft, you can go anywhere. But, you know, did you have a, do, do you have that one team that you follow and that one pitcher that you kind of look at and study and kind of emulate? Um, well, ironically, <laughs> My pitcher, I kind of I study a couple pitchers. Nate Pearson, who just got called up to the Blue Jays um, last year, I think, but he's on he's injured right now. And Garrett Cole, because I just wrote, I think they're they're kind of like me because I don't show a lot of emotion. I show spurts of it, where it's just like a it's like a one second thing. And they're pretty big, like I am. But my favorite team. Growing up is the Red Sox, who I picked because my dad. I yes, just sir. picked an opposite team of my dad, um, the Phillies. But I just, I just picked a random team and stuck with it. And since then, I've just liked the Red Sox. Yeah, true story. My son grew up playing baseball through the little <laughs> leagues and things like that in Hanahan. And you know, when they made that World Series, you know, he, he was uh, he. I think he was probably in about third grade at the time, and he told me he said, "Man." Dad, can I stay up and watch the rest of the game? I know it's a school night, but this hadn't happened in 96 years. And I said, you know what? Go ahead and stay up. Let's just stay up and watch that game. And it was such a cool yeah. experience for a baseball fan, you know, to experience that with my son. He goes over to uh, Academic Magnet now. He, he's a junior um, who, who's headed probably to Clemson or Georgia Tech. But, um, you know, so, so you look at that and you kind of, re- like you said, you, you kind of revert back to when you were a kid. 
Um, you know, what sparked your love of the game at such an early age to say, this is what I want to do the rest of my life? Um, well, I kind of, you know, it just happens when you're at a young age, then when you start loving the game. And I feel like, and when you get into the recruiting process and throughout high school, you kind of like, at least me, I got like distracted from it. And I, um, started like, especially when the scouts came, I started getting like with the pressure and stuff like that. But, you know, I just kind of always like going to coming to the baseball field and getting my work in and going to work out. I just love that stuff. And then when I get on the field, I just try to trust everything that I've done before going into that right. game. Well, let's Eugene. say, uh, you know, you decide not to go to the draft. Yeah. Let me let me interrupt you here. You know, Danny, I'm just listening to you, and um, I, I couldn't be happier for you. But there's, there's a few things that strike me that you have said in the last two minutes that nobody else in Charleston talks about. Uh, you just named Nate, Nate Pearson. I think you and I are the only two that even knew that name that, of anyone that's listening to the radio show. Um, oh, yeah. And I mentioned that earlier to earlier in the show is I asked Charleston kids, hey, who's your favorite big league player? They can't tell me who their favorite big league player is. Um, you just whipped out a guy that I saw in high A like two years ago, um, a big old donkey with Toronto, who nobody uh, knows. Cool. Um, that's yeah. that's going to help you because you know what you want to be. You've seen what you want to be. Um, the other thing that you mentioned is faith. And the next guy that I'm going to have on here, and I, ho- I hope you listen uh, to Matt Wieters. Um, Matt Wieters changed my life with respect to faith. And that's why I'm having him on the show. Um, you and I have talked about faith a little bit, uh, maybe a year ago or so. Um, and we talked yeah. about just God's plan. And you're going through a lot of stuff. And, and so I, I just want to kind of circle back to that and and um you know i don't want to make light of that at all because you're saying that you lean into christ to to give you that you know to to alleviate the anxiety i don't want to put words in your mouth but is that you know accurate yeah that's pretty accurate i mean i think faith is very helpful because like when you believe when you have faith like that you can just set aside all your worries and or doubts or whatever, whatever it is, and just you know go have fun and live live life in the moment because most of the time our minds are always spinning and we're always thinking about what's going to happen next or what happened in the past and like we're always focused on the negative things and stuff like that instead of positive, you know. But I just feel like. A face plays a big role, especially keeping you grounded, like I said earlier. And uh, I just think it's really good for you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100% with you. I think I wish I would have learned that. I mean, you're 18, talking about faith. Uh, took me, I don't know, 40, 41 years to to figure that out. So I'm really proud of you there. I know your dad's really proud of you. But um, you know, going back to you know Nate Pearson. Um, when 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 you guys, uh, I'm speaking to like all high school players right now. You need to know who you want to emulate. You need to know who you, um, you know, want to be like. And um, these guys are the best in the world, and there's a reason for it. So I love that you picked 
dudes that are six six, six seven, two fifty. Yeah. Um, because that's that's the right guys to look at. You don't look at uh uh, you know, a five nine, uh, you know, pitcher in the big leagues. I'm drawing a blank because there's not many five nine pitchers. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, know. I think it's speak. awesome. I think it's awesome, and and that's what I really want these guys, uh, these these high school kids to understand. You got to watch the game, man. You can't you can't uh, just just go out and do it. You're not that good. Nobody's that good. So for you to have guys that you've emulated over these years, I know um, I want to just jump back very quickly to um, you talking about work ethic and and what you do. And I, I'm going to give you props um, because I've known you for, I don't know, too long. I've known your dad too long. I, I enjoy my time with you, but maybe not with your dad. Uh, <laughs> start that. But uh, you know, let's say six, seven years, right. and um, you're the work ethic that you've seen. I think my son works his tail off, um, doesn't even compare with what I saw you do. And this is three, four years ago, so I'm assuming you are still working your tail off. I know you know you have a trainer, Michael Carpin, here in town. Um, that, yes. That you see, and, and I know that may not be Mike Darnell's favorite, uh, you know, thing that you're training off off. But, um, you know, you, you train with Michael. I know that I've seen you in Planet Fitness a few years ago where your dad just sat in the, the parking lot, dropped you off before you were 16. Um, so I, I yeah. want people to understand the reason that you are where you are. You said in sixth grade you started telling people you were going to be drafted, right? Yeah. Well, that's the number one reason why you are being drafted in a couple months here is because of work ethic. Um, can you just very briefly talk about your work ethic? And, and um, you know, I, I want you to brag. I want you to brag about how many hours a week that you spend working on your craft. Um, I know you play varsity basketball as well and dunk all over little white guys. So, like, <laughs> You know, you've got that, too. How do you juggle all this stuff? How do you juggle hard work? How do you juggle basketball? How do you juggle grades? I mean, Bishop England is no easy school. Um, how do you juggle all these things and still be successful? Um, well, work ethic, like when I made that, when I was, like you said, when I was telling people that I was going to draft it, once I had that goal in mind and I just flipped the switch, that I, w- that I was going to work hard. Obviously, it's working hard's not easy, but once you start working hard, at least I this is what I remember. Once I started, after the first, like, six months to a year, it just be – it's, like, in your DNA, and then it just becomes, like, you do it automatically, and it's, be- it's, a-, it's a part of you. So now, like, when I – when we have 6 a.m. lifts here, I used to – I remember – I'd be, I'm talking about, like, I remember used to, like, dread waking up. Now I'm just like, all right, I got to wake up, no big deal at all, and then I go work out. But, like, <clears throat> as far as my work, like, I love working out, and I think that's a lot of the re- like, a big reason why I've made such a big jump is because I love, like, working out and putting in work for baseball because um, I, <laughs> I enjoy doing that. And um, I've, I've sorry, I forgot your last question. Or that and no, basketball. I, I, yeah, yeah. How do you juggle uh, basketball? Basketball, I was never like 
I never really put too much pressure on myself. That was kind of like a fun sport. You know, I'm six eight, so I'm kind. Of, you know, how how can you be bad at it? Um, <laughs> yeah, basketball was kind of just like a pressure reliever, I would say, because I would just have fun with my teammates and coaches, and <clears throat> the game was just like fun to play. Um, and well, how do you? That, how do you- What's the Sorry. difference between, like, basketball? I know you guys had an early exit in the playoffs. Um, yeah. uh, you know, like, obviously you care more about baseball. Um, yes. Do, I mean, does the competitive nature of it, I mean, were you equally, equally you know, yeah. competitive with basketball, or was that really legitimately just fun? You didn't work your butt off for it. You just did practice, like you said. And then baseball was your workout, you know. Uh, uh, what, well, you know what, no, I was pretty – I was equally competitive. Um, like before, before I was decided I want to get drafted, I was actually saying that I liked basketball better than baseball in like fifth or fourth grade. But obviously, I was so young, so I was probably going through and a little phase. Yeah, and you were stupid. Like yeah, you were stupid. Yeah. So go ahead. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then like as far as managing it, like I practice started at seven, so right after school we get out at like two fifty, three, and I just work out and throw from like three to five thirty ish, you know, and then I'd go get a meal before practice and then go to practice. And then school of Bishop England, I mean, this year is not the hard senior year. I tried, um, there's not as much hard classes, but managing it freshman to junior year, um, you know, it's just like anything else. I'm not like a big, nerd like I don't like the school a lot but you know I study to where I get A's and B's throughout my high school career so okay I never so yeah I'm not like passionate about school right you manage those grades uh for leverage (laughs) that's what I that's what I keep telling my software I'm like hey this this is for leverage and scholarship that's that's all yeah exactly um horrible horrible thing for me to say on the air but uh it's just the truth. It's the truth of the matter. So, yeah. I know you just got one more question for you before we let you go. Yeah, man, and that was a great segue into that. Um, you know, I know there's a big draft uh, coming up and, and, and things like that, but um, let's say you don't go that route. You choose to enroll at College of Charleston. What do you plan on studying at College of Charleston? Uh, like I was well, like I was saying earlier, I like uh, I love working out, so I'm thinking something along the lines of. Uh, exercise science or physical therapy okay so you know that that's always helpful especially you know in that further career in you know so once the days of baseball are over and we know that every athlete uh tori can tell you it comes to an end uh what's your end goal with that you know after the baseball career you kind of hang up that glove uh so to speak uh you know you do you have you thought about that i know 18 years old I look back at my 18 years old, and I was a knucklehead, man. I didn't have all this opportunity in front of me. But uh, have you thought about, you know, you know, once that glove is kind of put, mounted on the wall, what you plan? Um, I mean, I haven't really thought about that yet. But I would say by then, hopefully by the time I'm done with this game, I'll have a family. Um, but I want to, you know, just – spend as much time with them as possible so while doing something I love so maybe I'll be a fitness coach or something like that um but if not 
my dad's got a hookup with me in his job for Primerica, um, <laughs> where it's it's like your it's self employment, so which gives you freedom uh, of your own hours, which is good for me if I want to spend my family. So that's awesome. <laughs> Don't even think about. Just, I'm I, I'm going to tell you from from experience don't even think about what the heck you're going to do if it doesn't work out i had everything planned out i had like oh i'm gonna i'll do this if it doesn't work i'll do this if it doesn't work out and then at 27 i was like oh you want me to coach Uh, okay (laughs) like that wasn't part of my plan at all man and it's the greatest decision you know greatest decision i ever made i wouldn't i wouldn't change a thing um you know, and, and, um, I just, I just love where you are. I love, I love the faith, uh, that you have, um, because you're going to be okay, no matter what, no matter what happens. If you blow out tomorrow, you're going to be okay because you have that faith. Um, and, uh, I wouldn't, I'm just giving you my advice. Don't even think twice about it. You just laser focus on getting drafted as high as you can. Then laser focus on a really, really tough decision uh, whether or not to go to college or go to pro ball, knowing that your end all goal is what play to pitch in the major leagues. Yeah. So for a long, so, time. Uh, for a long time. And, um, you know, we know what comes along with that. A lot, a lot, a lot of money comes with that, but that's obviously not the goal. The goal is, is getting there and competing just like you do every day down here. And Danny, I, I appreciate you uh, coming on. Uh, talking about your faith, I appreciate the hard work you have, and just to watch you kind of—I um, you know, never even mentioned—you should be at Hanahan High School, so that game should never have happened uh, if you weren't. <laughs> that wouldn't have gone that way last night. But um, you know, your hard work and dedication, and and the opportunities that your dad has given you—I'm um, sure you're grateful. I don't need to tell you that you should be grateful. Yeah, um, I am. But uh, listening to that. <laughs> you better be. Uh, someday, I, I hope ta- I hope somebody's interviewing Tagger and, and realizing how many opportunities I I gave him. Um, because and you guys deserve it, man. And, and as a dad, someday you'll be a dad and you'll you'll want to give the same opportunities to your child. So we wish you the best of luck and um, can't wait so can to see what happens with that. this. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I just don't feel like as a kid I always like. You know, I don't give my dad enough credit, but he's, he really has helped me a lot. I definitely would not be in the position I'm in without him, but it also, him or anybody in my family has helped me and my friends and teammates and stuff like that. But I just want to say that because I know he's listening. Well, Danny, I I know as a as a father, he's tearing up right now because I'm I'm emotional about it, and I'm not even your dad. So uh, he appreciates <laughs> it. Keep it up, man. You make him proud, and you make yourself proud, and uh, we're all rooting for you, man. Thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you guys for having me. All right, we're gonna we're gonna head to a quick break, and we'll be back here shortly with Matt Weeders. Right. Thanks again, Danny. Thank you. Thank you.
we're back here with Charge the Mound. Uh, I'm Tori Tyson. I've got Eugene Benton on my side tonight. Uh, we just had Danny Brooks from Bishop England High School, uh, who took the L last night but uh, against Hanahan High, but was uh, kind enough to come on with a starting with a somber mood, and then we moved into some better uh, conversation. And I hope uh, I hope that sheds some light on on some of you high school kids or parents that will uh, possibly be going through this at some point uh, rare it's very rare for a kid to get drafted out of high school uh, much less have the uh, clout and the um, you know uh, fanfare that goes along with what Danny's got going you don't see 20 25 scouts at games uh, high school games uh, those guys usually go to the big travel ball circuits and and uh, uh, scout a hundred guys instead of just one guy. So for these scouts to show up at a Bishop England high school baseball game at three a in South Carolina shows you that uh, there's something big come for, for that young man. And um, you know, he's got a, he's going to have a tough decision to make. And I know uh, my, my buddies at college of Charleston are hoping that he makes a decision to stay there. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens with him. Eugene, you still there? Oh yeah, man! Hitting the buttons, ready for uh, Matt to join us. Uh, we got him. Uh, we got the music loaded up. So as soon as he calls in, we'll uh, <laughs> give him the big intro. We're gonna intro him in style because he is the big baller. You know, we got the picture uh, put out there of uh, a big home run swing, and uh, we're locked and loaded and ready for him to call in. Awesome. Yeah, Matt will be here in a few minutes. Um, you know, just to, to kind of let our listeners know, uh, Matt Weeders, um, I'll, I'll introduce him when he comes in here. But, um, you know, he's uh, – the, the, I, I don't know of anybody. I've only been here since 05, Eugene. But um, is there a bigger baseball player in this area than Matt? Well, I know the local guys like to follow uh, another Matt with uh, Smoke. Uh, you know, they follow right. his career. You know, the Scotty Icebergs and those guys. But, you know, the, we do have the, the top ballers here, and it looks like he just joined the line. So, um, if you want, we'll go ahead and bring him in style. Yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, I think Matt and Justin might have. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how far Justin Smoke was behind. But we will uh, cut to, to Weeders here and get him in here. Go ahead, Eugene, do your thing. Woo! I'd like to use that long intro to welcome Matt Weeder to Charge the Mound. Thanks, Weedy, for joining me here. It's been a few years since we talked, huh? Yeah, it's, it's good hearing your voice, man. It's been a while. It was, uh, it was a great intro, man. That was, that was some, some real music there. <laughs> yeah, a little, little overkill by Eugene, but um, I appreciate you coming on here. We just had a kid on here, uh, Danny Brooks, who – 
uh, here in Charleston. He goes to Bishop England, and uh, he's projected anywhere first to third round. Uh, so we'll kind of we'll kind of get to that, uh, you know, what that felt like for you as well, and the decision you had to make. Um, but I but I first want to like break into this. Uh, I don't think I've ever had a chance besides a text message last night uh to thank you uh you you actually uh danny brooks was talking about his faith um and to hear an 18 year old talk his faith about his faith like energized the heck out of me um because whether you know it or not until last night um we were in spring training and i don't even know what year that might have been like orioles 2000 let's say 13 ish um and you may not even remember this. You joked with me or something and said, you need, you need some Jesus in your life. Come to, come to this Bible study at my house. And, uh, man, no chance, like no chance. (laughs) And, um, and then I heard from some other guys, like who was in it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is my first year with the Orioles coaching and, you know, uh, Crush Davis, you know, all the, all the big names were in your Bible study class. And, uh, I went for the completely wrong reasons. And now fast forward, who knows how many years, um, now I know there's no wrong reason to get into that stuff. Um, because whatever couple was talking, uh, you know, they, they had been minor league husband and wife and, and they changed, they ended up changing my life. So I, I, I want to thank you first before I get too long-winded and emotional for uh, you may not even know that you changed my life. I'm, I know I taught you to be the best hitter that you've ever been. So, uh, but, but, but neither, uh, that does not compare to what you did to change my life. So I want to thank you for that and share that story with you first and, um, and just kind of welcome you with that. And I'll let you take off from there about your faith. Oh, thanks. Nice, man. That's, that's good to hear, but you definitely helped me more with hitting than I did anything to to convert other than living out what Jesus has done for me in my life. And and, and, and that's, you know, that it means so much to me, not because I feel like I, I did anything to do it, other than just that Bible study that we had in Baltimore. It was just basically just being open and, and, and saying, God, whatever you want to happen, let us happen. And, and it's so cool how he works and how he will, he will take guys who feel like they're as far from Jesus as they possibly can, and, and he will change their lives. And, and it's really, it's, like I said, as many to me in baseball in my life, I feel very blessed. But, but really, without, without Jesus, none of it mean, means or meant anything to me. And so it's, uh, it's cool to hear you say that and cool to hear those stories. And, and like I said, when the baseball career is over, which is getting closer and closer by the day, we're going to have our faith is what's going to carry us. And as much as we were thinking, and that's really how I – my faith really got stronger as, as I worked my whole life to try and make it to major league baseball. And I, and once I made it there, I kind of got home and I was like, well, this can't be everything. And that's when Jesus kind of really hit me on the hammer. It's like, perfect. Now you're, now you're in the vulnerability that, that I need you in to realize that even when you have everything that you thought you could ever wanted, it's not going to be enough without me. And, and that's, that's kind of when my life changed, when I got home from my first season of major league baseball, that's when Jesus pretty much said, okay, you, you, you are here, you have a platform, but, but don't feel like you're in control of things, but rest on me. And, and, uh, so I'm, I'm so grateful to hear that, that I, I know, I know those biotes were some of the biggest memories I have in my whole career, which is, which is crazy to say. Isn't it? 
And it, well, I, again, I, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I, I want everybody to know you might get into something where you think it's for the wrong reasons that he's got, he's in control. <laughs> it's, it's not the wrong reason. There's no such thing. And, um, you know, that, that said, so, so you came really came into this, your first year in the big leagues. Uh, let, let's kind of fast forward to where you are right now. Uh, or, or a couple of years ago, I know when for the first time in your life, you don't have a job with the Orioles. Then we go, okay, uh, hey, I got to find a job. You find one with the Nationals, and you end up with the Cardinals, my favorite team uh, ever growing up in St. Louis. Um, but what's it like now? Um, you know, I love it that I, I, I asked you to do the show, and your, and your time, um, you know, your priority, let's say, uh, was hey, I got to put the kids to bed at 730, dude. I can't be on at 730. That, like, is awesome <laughs> to me. That is awesome to me because um, – you know, we, we have this, like, this image of you being this, you know, 12-year big leaguer, stud, all-star, all this. And, and like, hey, I got to put my kids to bed. Like, that's, that's more important to me than anything else. And, and uh, I, I don't know. I just I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it tells me you're doing the right thing. But, but that said, now, um, are you done? Are you, are you leaning into faith to say, hey, what, what's going to happen next? What, what's the, what, what are you looking for? I'm definitely in the face for that because, uh, I mean, every year that I kind of ran into free agency, you know, when you're early in career, you think free agency is this, this great thing to get to. And, and every year was different than I pictured it. And, and each year God kind of uh, strengthened my faith to, realize, to make me realize it may not go how you see it going, but that doesn't mean it's not going how I want it to go. And, and, right. And so that, so each, you know, it, it gets, I won't say it gets easier, but, but being able to just rely on he's got the plan in mind definitely is more comforting. Um, for me, this year, I, like, I still feel like I can play. Like, I still feel like I can help a team win. And that's the hardest part for me is, is it's not like I feel like I need to play for any certain reason other than the fact that I feel like I can help a team win, which is, which is what I enjoyed the most about getting out there and competing. So, so that's the one thing that, that – uh, I'm missing a little bit competing for, for that win and, and really trying to put together a game plan with the pitcher and go through a lineup and, and kind of work through that. So uh, I am missing that for sure. And I'm actually, I'm heading down to the uh, team USA is having a mini camp and I'm going down. They already have their two catchers on the roster for that, but I'm going to go down there just, just to work out, get into a spring training type atmosphere. You never quite know what will pop up at what time. So, you know, that would be uh, right now, it, it would be really cool for me to think of, somehow getting on that Olympic team and being able to, to, uh, you know, big dream is go to Tokyo and be able to play in the Olympics would be really cool. And like I said, I still feel, I still feel good body wise, not, not as good as I did when I was 23, obviously, but, but good enough to where I feel like I can go out there and, and win a game. Right. I, you know, talking to some of my buddies like Tom Ackerman of, of St. Louis, uh, you know, one of the media guys there, they they all still talk about like how awesome you were uh, to the team and um, you know what they got going there and that and for you people that don't know that's that the last two years he spent with St Louis um, and you think that Yadi Molina is like the guy um, you know I, I I don't want to put you on the spot or anything and ask you about him but um, you know I've heard quite a few things from you know the catcher that's there backing up now uh, about how you helped him so. Um, you know, you went from being an all-star to now being a uh, backup. What's the change there? What what changes with how you talk to guys, or does it at all? I was able to reallocate my time a little bit more, which is actually – and I never thought at when I went there I was 
10 years into my big league career that I would, I would learn so much, but being able to, to, to listen and learn and watch what Yachty did every day on a day and basis, it makes you appreciate and makes you realize that it isn't by luck that he has as many gold gloves as he has and had the career he had. Like he, his, his mindset and his work ethic is better than anything I've ever seen. And, and so it was, it was really refreshing to be able to go in that point in my career and be able to go in and just learn a ton. I was excited for it. And then it kind of, you know, it kind of made me realize it's like, I'm not playing six, seven days a week. I may not play for two weeks, but I still can have the ear of a young pitcher or a a young catcher. And, and I'm able to still stay in the game. And that's the the biggest thing that, you know, it's just mentally to be able to stay in the game that can help one, the guy you're talking to, but also helps you out to be able to feel like, okay, when I get in that situation, I've already thought through it. I've already done it. You know, at, at this point in my career, when you get to be, 34 35 years old you've had enough swings you've had enough throws to second like all that stuff is is just ingrained but the mental side of just being ready for the situation is something that you can always kind of constantly get better at so looking at 12 years of being a catcher that's like and and yachty being even you know more um (laughs) most people most people don't know how hard that is on your body on you on on you mentally you in the last 10 minutes, all you've done is talk about game plans and catching and stuff. What about hitting? I mean, did, did that become just secondary to you? Because when you came out of Georgia Tech, that was all it was about. It was all about, oh, my God, this guy's a hitter. Um, uh, you know, I had umpires <laughs> in that Hawaii Winter League be like, you gotta, you got to tell him to get down lower. I can't see the pitch. I'm like, dude, he's, he's too tall. I can't, he can't get down anymore. Like get get us get on the side, but my my point is is um, you know did you did you as a catcher do you just at that point do you not care about hitting anymore? Um, no, I don't say that. Everybody likes getting three and four hits a game, no matter who you are. So so hitting is still always fun. But the great thing about catching for me, what I really liked about it is I was able to separate the two. Like like I being a catcher, I could go over for four and call a two-hitter behind the plate, and we win that game. So I, was, it's, I think it's easier for a catcher to be able to say, okay, when I'm hitting, I'm focused on hitting, but when hitting's over, I've got to turn that off, and I've got to go to just thinking about, about catching. And so, so some of the time that gets allocated, uh, you know, earlier in the day may get skewed a little bit, but I think during the game there's no better, there's no better gift than being able to feel like, okay, I just got out or I just struck out the bases loaded. I can't think about that right now. And in baseball, we all know a short-term memory is, is a great thing. So I, I think catching actually helps with that aspect of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, I don't, I, I haven't told you. So my little guy is 16 now um, and he's a catcher. Oh, um, and so we're, we're going through the same thing, um, you know, w- with him, but so, so kind of, uh, take yourself back. I guess we'll start at Georgia Tech. Yeah, ironically, that's one of the schools recruiting him the hardest. Uh, take your. I, I'm going to selfishly ask you about your time at Georgia Tech. Um, and um, you know, going back to Danny Brooks, who was just on here, he, he's going to be faced with with the same decision, you know, that you probably had. Where like, do you want to go pro or do you want to go to college? And and take me through that kind of uh, process there and what you decided and and what Georgia Tech did for you as a player. Going down to Joe Rowley and Washington Hill play, you know, every weekend pretty much. So I loved watching college baseball. Like it was something that I wanted to experience. So obviously the ultimate goal was to play in the major leagues. You know, that was, that was the career part of it. But college baseball was something to me that was just 
it was so interesting, exciting, and just the passion that kind of college kids played with, it really had my interest. And, you know, but at the same time, we got to the draft, and we're still undecided. Like, what are we going to do? Are we going to tell these teams, you know, we can't just, we can't just punt on our, what we really want to do for a career and job. So it kind of, it just turned into, and me and my dad had this conversation and, and we had, you know, we were just kind of sat down and it was like, if it's a, if it's a, our, our decision was, if it's a life altering amount of money to where if baseball doesn't work out, you still have a good nest egg to fall back on. Then we think right. about it. But other than that, it was do anything less than that was not worth to me passing up the experience of college. And, and I had no idea how college was going to go or, or whether it was going to work or not, but I just knew I wanted to play college baseball. And, and I'll see some guys, and I, I saw some guys throughout minor league and major league baseball that I think college would have been good for. I'll see some guys that will think, yeah, college probably wouldn't have helped them that much. But for me, it was huge. One, for developing physically, as well as, you know, it's the first time where I'm, you're you're living on your own, but in a little bit of a bubble where it gives you a little bit more room for a few mistakes, you know. And kids nowadays have mm-hmm. harder than I did when I was going through college, where even they're under a, more of a microscope with all the social media and all that stuff. But that's a different topic. Um, but <laughs> but for me, for me, it was like I was able to feel like I was on my own. But my parents were four and a half hours away, and they'd come on weekends, and and uh, so it was it was it was it was what I needed, and. You know, for me, I just wanted to play college baseball. When I'm 18, I'm just thinking, I just want to play college baseball. But it was actually the, it was the best thing that I, just, that I decided on, and it's what I really needed, both physically and mentally. And I didn't realize that at that age. That yeah, that um, uh, you know, I've told people many years. I only had six years in the minor league and zero in the big leagues as a player. And I tell everybody the most fun I ever had was in college. I hated my coach. I hated like I hated him, but it's the most fun I've ever had. And so I really want that experience, you know, for my son. Um, what, you know, compare, you've had, a, heck, you had, uh, I mean, you had MVP boats one year. Um, what was the most fun year for you? I mean, like, what was the most fun time for you? Was there, you know, was college baseball the most fun you had? Or, you know, was it being in the Bay Leagues? Uh, I think there are two different things, two different kinds of fun. Uh, and college baseball an adrenaline rush. And it's something that you, 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 you can't, you can't do it for 162 games in the big league, but you can do it in college. Like you can literally, you can literally wear out every game. And then somehow you, you have the energy to go again the next day, or you have a day off or whatnot in the big league. You've got to kind of figure out what works for you, you know, workload wise. Um, but so college, all of them were great. Like I said, I always say my freshman year, I was scared to death of our head coach. My sophomore year, I was starting to say, okay, this guy's, a little tough, but I'm starting to see, you know, what he's thinking about my junior year. I was like, ah, oh, I see now. He was just messing with us as a freshman. <laughs> so it's, it's cool. It's cool seeing the transformation of uh, just personalities when you get a little more uh, seniority going through college. As far as the big leagues, I think 2012 was was probably the coolest year because it's the year that the Orioles went from we were perennially bad for decades to <laughs> made the playoffs. Won, won the wild card game and got in and it was just like yeah so like it was the, what we all bought into we all kind of came through the system semi the same time and it's what we bought into that we believed that we could do it and in 2012 was kind of the yeah we, we knew we could do it and now everybody's just seeing that that's awesome um you know take us back to stratford I, have you been back have you you know do you know people there still is it 
totally different world now. Um, you know, do you ever get back, give to them? Um, I do. I talked with Coach Talis actually a good bit. Who's he's at the athletic director there now. He was the baseball coach when I was there, so we we talk a good bit, and he always keeps me up to date on what's going on with the team. And then uh, and then anytime I talk to my mom or my dad, they give me the rundown on what's going on in in Goose Creek. So it's uh it's still it's still a small <laughs> town to, to where everybody sees each other. So it's good. Uh, I get most of my relayed information from my parents, but but I still feel very much connected, even though. We get back maybe for for uh, holidays and and that's about it. But as I said, when the schedule is looking a whole lot different now, I, trying to put kids down and do things, we might be traveling to see Grandma and Pop Pop a little bit more, so we can have a few more hands with with the kids coming up. Awesome, awesome. How how old are the kids? How many you got? Last I know, I was like watching uh, watching them hit a, a wiffle ball out of a hand uh, at a Bible study. Yeah. So how old are the kids? How many you got? Three boys, eight, four, and two. So they're all they're all crazy Ooh. in their own way. Boys are boys are they're great. Boys some do things and you're just like, how can you be that stupid? And and, and they, but it's just some boys just do some things that you're like, what were you thinking? And then then two seconds later they'll do something that makes you laugh, not unstopped. It's just uh, it's fun. So like I said, it's it's fun to get to watch watch them battle back and that's forth. Awesome. And the that's awesome. That's awesome. The two year old is now the one you? that's breaking my hand. Yeah, how involved are you with like, you know, with them baseball wise? Has that even like creeped in yet or not yet? Yeah, the eight year old especially. The eight year old starting to get it, and 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 uh, I haven't gone on to coaching full time, but but uh, the coaches on this team been great to kind of let me come out and help work with the team whenever I want to or get some free time. But you know, he the eight year old he likes learning, and so that's that's the big thing. That's what me growing up that my dad did so well. He just we were just able to sit down and watch Braves games or sit down and watch fiddle games. And he would just teach me the whole time. And, and the eight-year-old's at that age now to where he's kind of looking for, can you explain to me what happened there? And, and that's the real fun part. And, and you know, I'll, I'll throw that advice out there for, for most dad is it's great to get out there, get out there, throw the ball with him, hit the ball with him. But really just being able to sit down and talk and explain things is, is probably my best memories with my dad. And he coached me all the way up. But I remember more talking about baseball, sitting down watching various games than I do actually on the field. About an hour and a half ago, um, I was asked a question like, "How do you develop young kids?" And I said, "Watch baseball." Um, and that and that's that's you know what I did with my son, and you know that's how he knows how to call a game because we watch a game together. Yep. Um, none of these Charleston kids. I asked them who their favorite player is, and they're like, uh, "I'm like, come on, man, like." You know, do you not, do you watch baseball? No, I'm, I'm going to be the man. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's it's refreshing to hear that your dad did that with you. And and I hope these parents listening out there uh, realize you don't have to pay seventy dollars for a lesson. Watch a ball game with your kid. Yeah, and it's it's so everything's so instant now, and just and the generation now to where they just want to see the highlight or just want to see the clip. But what I love about baseball is it's really it's a story. It's a chess match, and and like you said, that I miss now is the chess match of going back and forth and realizing that this here is going to get four bats. He may get a hit the first at bat, but how do I get him out the fourth at bat? And, and so it's, you know, that's, that's where I miss. So that's, and you can say baseball's too long to watch, but I, I like that part of it. I don't want, I love baseball because there is no clock. I love that, you know, you can, you're never out of the game and you can always do things that, that kind of uh, help your team win. And if they don't help you win that, 
that game maybe to help you win the next game. And and so it's it's you know it's hard because we want everything so quick, but that's what I love about baseball is it's not like that. It, it, you have to put in the time to really kind of sit through and, and go through it. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, any any of these new uh, you know any of these new rules and and things they're thinking about make you just you know not want to come back or or you uh, guns blazing ready to go come back. Um, well, like I said, it's, it's always a game of adjustment. So when new rules get thrown out there, there's, there's the adjustment part is part of it. To me, the game's been great for 150 years. I don't know what else when we're adding things to it or trying to take away. I feel like you were just trying to make our importance seem more important as opposed to a game that's been great for 150 years. And, and that's kind of where I sit on it. Um, but I may be more of a traditionalist than, than some people nowadays. Right. No, I, I'm I'm with you there. I I agree. Um, you know, I I just feel bad for the people that don't know the game. You you were raised with a dad teaching you the game within the game. I call it. Um, that's real baseball. Uh, when when these you know sports fans say, "Oh, baseball is boring," I get it. I totally get it because if it, if you haven't played it or uh, if you don't understand the you know inside part of the game, uh, it's not fun. Uh, so I, I'm good with the speed up rules. I can't, I don't know. I, I like you said, I, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. So I, I hope they don't move the mound back a foot and all this stupid stuff they're doing in the Atlantic league. Um, yeah. so, um, yeah, th- I mean, th- this game, like you said, and especially as a catcher, there's so much more to this game than, than 99% of the people in the world think. And, uh, those catchers, they have to know it all. And uh, so you're, you're citing your dad as the guy that really prepared you for your career. hundred percent. Like I said, he was, he, and more than anything, he taught me, but he also allowed me to just, just have fun with it. He, he, it was, it was one of those things where he, he was always, always there willing to, willing to teach, willing to work, but he was never one that was going to make it feel like a job. He was going to make it feel like a game. And, and that's probably what I'm most appreciative to for him. Make it fun. Hey, thanks, Weedy, for joining us. I appreciate it, and I'd love to have you on again, but I'm hoping you sign with somebody and we can't talk to you for the rest of the year. Best of luck. Okay, we'll do do this again sometime for sure, though. All right, good. And we'll have you on early and have your kids on, too. Take care, (laughs) man. You don't want that. (laughs) All right, see you. Thanks, guys. All right, see you, man. That was Matt Wieters, uh, 12-year big leaguer, uh, multiple all-stars. Uh, appreciate Matt for joining me and Eugene, you want to kick us out of here? Yeah, man. Just want to thank all the guests tonight, uh, Nick. And of course, uh, Mr. Brooks for joining us over at Bishop England. Nick over there hand to hand. We'll be back on next Wednesday for another charge of the mound. Stay tuned guys. Uh, it's been a great show. We'll be signing off and hitting the, uh, hitting the airways, uh, next week.
and think of the summers of the past. Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast. Pop in my CD and let me run a rhyme and put your car on cruise and lay back because it's summertime. Summertime. Definition of summer madness. 